Welcome to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. In this program, Marty discusses waterfowl and upland bird hunting, as well as the clay target shooting sports, with some of the top industry leaders and shooting pros from around the world. If you're just starting out or you've been hunting and shooting for years, we'll have wing and clay target news and information that you can use. Now, here is your host, Marty Fisher. And welcome to another what I hope is going to be very informative, but I promise you it will be, uh, episode of Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. I am Marty Fisher, and, uh, you know, for the last few weeks, uh, while we've been talking about how hot it is, and, and I can tell you it is still hot, you know, here in southeast Georgia where uh, uh, this show is originating from, uh, <clears throat> had the... Um, the pleasure of uh, watching my grandson play a little bit of state baseball uh, championship uh, playoff stuff here uh, earlier today, and um, I don't know how those kids do it, but, you know, they do, and, you know, <clears throat> and speaking of kids, I mean, boy, we have got so much going on in the shooting world right now. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I've got a just a remarkable guest that's, that's holding right now while I, I do this show open. Uh, uh, my good buddy, Terry Denman, uh, the, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, we'll call him founder. We're going to call him all sorts of things with Mojo Outdoors uh, when we when we get him, get him on the show. Um, and so you stand by for that. Uh, Terry's going to going to bring some really good information on spinning wing uh, decoy technology and all sorts of other thing when, things when it comes to what I call visual motion in uh, in hunting that attracts wildlife. But, you know, before we get into talking to Terry, uh, there's a lot going on in the shooting world. I mean, the youth events are just absolutely wide open right now. And as we speak, the uh, the 4-H Shooting Sports National Championship is being held right now at the, the Heartland Shooting Park over in Grand Island, Nebraska. And there are representatives, uh, you know, student athletes representing all states all across the United States. And, and it's just not it's just not the clay target sports over there. They actually have archery. They've got BB gun. They even have a, a competition for hunting skills, which I think is really, really cool. And of course, 4-H does a lot of things like that. And, um, you know, that's just uh, just remarkable. And that event goes on through the end of, of the month of June. And then coming up in a couple of weeks, we've got the Scholastic Clay Target uh, national championship uh, and that's um, that's a big event uh, more than 3,000 student athletes from from almost 30 country uh, 30 states around the country more than 300 junior high and high school shooting teams and you know the beauty of of all of these kids competing is they learn a lot about success and failure and you know the one thing I do know, I was a kid at one time, and I never got to do all of these cool things, uh, you know, <clears throat> through shooting programs like they're having now. But they are the future of the, of the shooting sports. They're the future of hunting. They're the future of the clay target sports. And we really need to embrace everything that we can about these kids and, and really support them. Uh, you know, I reported in it, and it just finished up, uh, you know, a, a week or so ago. The largest clay target event in the world is the Minnesota State high school trap 
championship. There are over 8,500 kids that participate in that over a nine-day period of time. So, you know, the youth shooting sports are growing, and they're growing in a hurry, and they're getting a lot of industry support, and, and I really do appreciate uh, uh, all of the companies that have gotten involved with, uh, with those kids. Um, now, on the adult side, and this is going to include some kids, too, um, the world getting ready to come to the United States. We've got a couple of world events that are that are uh, being staged here over the next couple of months, and the entries in those things are getting really crazy. I know the um, the one up in Illinois, the World English Sporting Clays Championship, already has over 1,100 entrants in that uh, particular event and and those are, these are people that are coming from all over the world from Europe from Australia for you know literally from any any country that uh, that has uh, that has a shooting sports and then the world fitask and fitask sporting is a little different from the standard sporting clays fitask is more like hunting and uh, you know the fitask sporting is probably the most difficult clay target uh, discipline that you'll find anywhere in the world. I mean, these 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 guys are shooting shooting targets that uh, that I don't know that I would shoot at if I if I were bird hunting because uh, some of this is sixty and seventy yard crossers, and uh, if you can only imagine what the lead is on those things. But you know that's uh, that's coming up at Providence Hill Farm in uh, near Jackson, Mississippi, July the sixteenth through the nineteenth, and the World English is up. Uh, in uh, near Chicago at the Northbrook Sports Club, that'll be August. Uh, let's see, what is that? Uh, August fifth through the eleventh, and then one final big event that's coming: uh, the one hundred and twentieth Grand American World Trap Shooting Championship is is being held in Sparta, Illinois, at the World Shooting Complex, July thirty one to August the tenth. And I'm going to tell you something: almost six thousand competitors go to that thing, and they're up there for that whole period of time. And uh, you want to talk about a great place to go to to buy a product. They've got a uh, you, you know a, a, probably a, a half a mile of, of little stores up there that uh, that you can go to and get literally anything that's got to do with with the uh, with the shotgun sports. So uh, great events all the way around. For more information on all of these events uh, for Sporting Clays, uh, mynsca.com for Skeet mynssa.com and then for trap shooting shootata.com so all those events are coming up and they're going to be just absolutely phenomenal and we'll report on some of those and and um, and and how many people are showing up and things like that but rest assured a lot of these folks that are shooting clays also shoot birds and uh, they're doing the clay shooting here in the in the summer months and getting ready to get cranked up for uh, for hunting and <clears throat> which and talking about hunting, and that brings me to my guest, and before I bring Terry on, I do want to remind everybody that my first segment is brought to you, as always, by my friends at the Crushable Vault. If you haven't heard of that product, by all means, go check them out, crushablevault.com. You know, this is a product that, that was developed to keep your firearms safe when they're secure, secured or stored, I should say, more stored than anything, in a vehicle or even in a hotel room. As long as you've got a, a secure point that you can, can tie on to, the crushable vault allows you to, to, uh, to, to cinch up some cables that cannot be 
broken unless you've got a jaws of life. And I don't think many petty thieves carry those things around. So do yourself a favor. Take a look at at their website. They've got some really cool products. These things actually look like luggage. They don't look like guns. And that's that's one big help. But once you've got that product secured, uh, it's not leaving your truck unless you take it out yourself, which you can do in less than 30 seconds. Check them out, crushablevault.com. If you like what you see, Type in in the promo code box, type Marty in there, and you'll get a 10% discount immediately off of any purchase that you make. Now, that being said, and we're talking, you know, I want to talk a little bit about hunting. And, you know, I, uh, if we start to turn from uh, mid-year on and uh, headed in a direction of duck season and dove season and all of those types of things, uh, you know, we sportsmen start thinking heavily about the bird seasons that are coming up, we start to practice for bird shooting. We, you know, we do all of those types of things. And, you know, and, and I was thinking about who could be a great guest on my show. And I wanted to have this guy, you know, ever since I started this show months and months ago. Uh, but my guest today is Terry Denman. Now, Terry um, is a very unique individual. This guy uh, is an engineer by trade, uh, graduated from Louisiana Tech. Uh, university lives down in Louisiana, which is a you know if you look at their tags, it says sportsman's paradise. So Terry, like a lot of folks uh, who who live in that state, grew up hunting and shooting and fishing and doing all those types of things. But uh, you know, as, as a hunter and as an engineer, uh, when the spinning wing technology came along with, for waterfowl hunters, uh, there there just had to be a better mousetrap and uh, and Terry and some of his buddies, you know, kind of put their heads together and, and came up with uh, with something that has really taken off. And now Terry is the uh, is the CEO and I guess probably the, uh, I don't know if he's the sole owner, but he'll let me know, of Mojo Outdoors. He does, he's a TV host, uh, a jack of all trades, if you will. I mean, this guy does a lot of stuff. He was recently inducted into the Legends of the Outdoors Hall of Fame and, and uh, rightfully so. But... I'd like to welcome my good friend Terry Denman to the show. Terry, my pleasure to have you, buddy. Good to be here, my friend Marty. Good to talk to you again. Well, you know, we um, we kind of go back a little bit, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we don't talk a lot of turkey hunting on this show, but, you know, we, we got to spending a little bit of time at that World Invitational Turkey Hunting Championship over there in, uh, uh, in Texas, and uh, I, I think... The Mojo Boys won it this year. We won it this year, and I was about to say, one reason I remember so well you being there is because y'all beat us. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the key with, with all of that stuff is, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's who shoots the biggest turkey. And, um, uh, you know, it, you just don't know what's going to walk up to you. But, uh, you know, sometimes you get lucky, and, and a big one does. And uh, we got lucky on that particular day and that particular year. And, and a big one did, and, and that happened to you guys this year, and congratulations. I, 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 well, I think yeah. it's just wonderful. Thank you. That's a great event over there. Whether you even kill a turkey or not, it's a great event. Well, it really is, and, uh, you know, that community really turns out for it, and it's up uh, just south of the Red River. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the crazy thing about that, Terry, is that is not a place where – uh, it's just nonstop turkeys. I mean, it's not quite like some of South Texas that has a turkey around every corner. I mean, you've actually got to hunt these birds. That is correct. That is correct. But it's a it's a gorgeous, beautiful place to hunt. 
Well, without question. But I, well, now look, you um, you know, we've got a couple of minutes before, before we've got to take a break. I, I, why don't you do me a favor? Tell me just a little bit about. Tell me about Terry. We won't get into Mojo yet. Tell me a little bit about Terry and, and your background, if you would. Well, you covered a little bit of Walgo, Marty, but I grew up in northeast Louisiana in the Mississippi River Delta country, about 15 miles from the Mississippi River. It was just a hunting and fishing area, all the hunting, all the fishing that you would want. A very rural area. I grew up out in the, in the country. I mean, really in the country. You could just walk out the back door and go hunting. You know, just pick up your gun, keep on hunting. So, you know, hunting was a way of life. So I can't even tell you how young it was when I started hunting. But uh, I mean hunting on my own. But it would be younger than most people would expect to occur today and probably should not have occurred then. But as I said, it was a way of life, you know. And we uh, we I came out of an agriculture farming, you know, background. And, uh, you know, I had to work on the farm the whole time. And so probably what got me into engineering school. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but somehow I'm going to get off this farm, you know. And uh, <laughs> I did. I went to engineering school, got to be an engineer, you know, worked at that a few years, started my own engineering firm, which we still have today. And, uh, you know, we've been uh, successful for a small local uh, engineering firm doing that. And then, uh, you know, I got to hunt a lot. I always wanted to hunt, but I didn't have the resources until after I went into the engineering business, but then I started going on, you know, big game hunts and whatever type hunts I could go on, go to Alaska, go to Yukon, uh, you know, after so many years, finally end up taking my first trip to Africa, as anybody will tell you, you're not going to go to Africa one time, if you go, you know, once you're going to have to go again, in fact, no, it July pulls you 19th, back. I'll leave for Africa again. So. Mm-hmm. It pulls you back, make no mistake. Hey, Terry, we're up on a break, and when we come back, you know, we'll finish that a little bit, and then I want to jump into to, uh, to Mojo and how all of that got started. Folks, stay tuned. Terry Denman of Mojo Outdoors, and I will be right back after these messages. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, 
all the time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And welcome back. And hey, by the way, you know, our website is wingandclayradio.com. I'd certainly appreciate you going there. And the one thing you can do when you go there. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we've got the little click on links to take you over to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but also, you can actually access every radio show that we've ever done. And I can promise you there are some really, really good shows there, uh, you know, over the months that we've been doing uh, this Winging Clay Nation radio show. So, uh, by all means, Go to wingandclayradio.com and give it a look. Hey, this this portion I want to I want to thank my good friends down at negreenycases.com. You know, a lot of folks have gun cases with, uh, you know, with Berettas and uh, Benellis and Blossers and Brownings and Garinis and all of that stuff, and they they've actually got Negrini gun cases and don't even know it. Uh, Negrini cases has been around for about 35 years. They're an Italian company, but they've got a product line that is just over and above what you get in, in the standard purchase of a of a shotgun. I mean, the, the, this Negrini stuff is just absolutely remarkable. Uh, it's what I use. You look at it, it looks like a plastic gun case. Uh, believe me, it's a it's much, much more than that. It's a double wall patented ABS technology, strongest, lightest weight case in the shooting sports and the outdoor industry is 65% lighter than most aluminum gun cases, which is really nice when you're hauling a bunch of stuff. But um, you know, the inside, it, it just plush padded interiors. Uh, outside's got beautiful uh, Italian leather accents. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that uh, that you really, really can like. I've actually got a Cordura cover on mine. Uh, these things are 100% airline approved, and I have no problem throwing mine on and off of airplanes. And, um, you know, they're really, really tough. So, hey, check them out in the greenycases.com. Uh, if you if you like what you see in it and you make a purchase over two hundred bucks, they will they will actually send you a free waterproof shot shell case that holds a hundred or hundred rounds, and that they'll include the shipping in that too. And to get that, all you do once again that little promo code, that little box on your checkout page. Type in my name, type in Marty, and uh, that case will be on the way to you. Now back to my good friend. Terry Denman and Terry, you know, when, when well, right before the break, we were kind of talking a little bit about about your background and and the fact that you grew up in Northeast Louisiana. And when you stepped out the back door, heck, man, you could go hunting. And <clears throat> you know, I I I can only imagine that you were a duck hunter too. Well, I, I was. You know, you can't hardly live in Louisiana without duck hunting, and especially in the Delta, Mississippi Delta portion of there were. A lot of ducks around, and when I was, a, you know, growing up like at high school, you know, we really didn't have the facilities to, quote, hunt ducks a lot, but, you know, we would find them, and if we find them, we'd go get them, you know, but mm-hmm. as far as hunting them in our style, we just didn't have the resources to do that, so we hunted 
whatever we could hunt with the limited resources that we had. But, you know, that got better with time. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and, and as, you know, and you and I are about the same age, and as we have matured in our in our hunting you know we've had a chance like you say you've traveled i've traveled a lot and and i can remember back in the late 90s i was out in california and and hunting at a at a at a private place called a live oak duck club up there in the butte saint which is just a beautiful area and the managing partner at the time at that place uh you know i went out to, to hunt a couple of days with those folks and he said i got something you've got to see and he showed me this product that looked like a gold post with a with a blade on it, and I was like, "What in the world is that?" And you know, that was the that was, I guess, the very first spinning wing technology, if you will. And it, of course, it didn't look like a duck in any way, shape, or form. But uh, but I know you know that product, and uh, and and you know some of the products that came after that. But but that was kind of what stimulated Mojo, and and you know your the company before that, HuntWise and things like that. Talk a little bit about that, Terry. How, how did Mojo actually get started? Well, that product that you're talking about, the Gold Post, and uh, that was invented by a guy named McBride from California. And I've heard various stories about what led him to that concept, and I don't know if any of them you know, are authentic or not, so I don't ever bother to repeat those, but... Uh, you know, in the 90s, uh, uh, a family that had been friends with my entire family, and they had two sons that I was really very close to, and they were larger farmers. I was in the engineering business by this time. They ended up acquiring a farm, which I still own today, down in Catahoula Parish. And you know, duck hunter, you've heard the word mm-hmm. Catahoula, uh, Catahoula Lake. Yes, sir. I had a lot there, of, ca- lot of a, canvas back, a canvas back right. heaven down there. I've seen a count where there were 250,000 canvasbacks on Catahoula Lake at one time. It wouldn't count. And um, so they, they got this farm, and it ended up being great duck hunting. And so that got us more serious in the duck hunting business at that time. We actually established a commercial uh, facility on that farm at one time, not for money, because we had a lot of people want to go duck hunting there. So we just set it up to, uh, uh, you know, to duck hunt with it. and. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, along comes uh, 1999, you know, you used that date while ago. And uh, by this time, my friends that had owned the farm in Catahoula Parish, the older brother and the dad had died, the younger brother, who was my best friend, the guy's name Murray Crow. You've heard that name before if you're around Spitty Wing Decoys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had gotten out of the farming business and moved here to Monroe, and he was actually in the car business. He would... And the tinkering business, they, they build race cars, and they balance race cars, engines, and for them. And uh, bring in a third guy, Jeff Simmons. I bet you know Jeff Simmons on oh, Simmons yeah. Sporting mm-hmm. Goods in Bastrop, mm-hmm. Louisiana. It's a Bass Pro-Size Sporting Goods store in Bastrop, Louisiana, of all places. And uh, Jeff got onto these devices in the, in the middle of duck season in 1999. And they had hit Studgard, Max Prairie Wings, and all that duck hunting around Studgard. And it just zoomed, and the demand greatly exceeded the supply. And Jeff had a lot of people want to buy them from him, but he couldn't get any of them. So he calls my friend Murray Crow, and who's a tinker, can build anything. And he says, Murray said, I, I need you to build me some of these decoys. And Murray said, okay. So he takes a look at them. And the way they built them back then, they used a little high-speed motor and some pulleys and whatever to slow the wings down. And he didn't know how to you know, to size all that stuff out. So he calls me, I'm his engineer friend and his hunting friend, and mm-hmm. uh, he said, start telling me about this decoy. And I said, 
Well, that's the craziest thing I ever heard of. And he said, I don't know. <laughs> Jeff wants me to build some. I don't know how to size the motor and the pulley. Can you do that? And I said, yeah, I can do that part in about 15 minutes. So uh, I'll come up to your shop at noon tomorrow. Shop about 20 minutes from my engineering office. So I go up there, and we look at it. And the first thing we come to the conclusion of is that's the wrong way to do it. And so, you know, Murray's pretty much a mechanical genius. So he said, I think I know how to fix that. He said, just leave it with me for a day or so. And I did. And he developed, you know, what became the original Mojo Mallard, and he did that by taking a motor, pretty good-sized motor. It was actually a blower motor out of a Caterpillar cab, double-shafted. Mm-hmm. Since he built wow. race cars, they wrapped them with 04 aluminum. You know, he milled some, you know, wing adapters and some wings out of 04 aluminum, hooked them directly to that motor. And then the motor was, you know, 24 volts and things like that back then, so if you just hook a 6-volt motor to it, it you know, it the motors turned proportionate to the voltage, and so it turned the right speed. You didn't have to have these pulleys and all that other stuff. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so he started making them right in the middle of the duck season in 1999. Wow, that 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 is amazing. And you know, and the and the thing is, you know, back then. Terry, I mean, the first time ducks ever saw these things, they just went nuts. I mean, all of a sudden, it turned it turned guys in that 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 it couldn't call and couldn't shoot and I mean, couldn't do anything. Next thing you know, they're all getting limits. Oh, a- absolutely. You know, and it was a phenomenon when it first started, and uh, it actually kind of led to the you know lack of knowledge of you know how to use them. But I can remember when we first got Mojo going on a national scale. Lots of the call companies, you know, didn't like us, and a lot of these guys were my friends, you know, because they thought mm-hmm. we was going to put calls out of business, and every time I see one of them now, I try to remind them, I said, you know, when we started Mojo, you were trying to make a living selling duck calls for $19.95, and now you're selling $225 credit calls, <laughs> so right. we didn't exactly hurt your business for it, you know, so, <laughs> uh, but, but that's right, they, they were a phenomenon in the beginning. Well, I, I, you know, I know, I mean, there was a, you know, just, just a time, the, the thing out in California when I, the first time I saw it, I mean, uh, you know, we shot, uh, you know, we shot three limits of greenheads and, you know, in California, you can shoot seven at that time, you could kill seven greenheads a day. And we shot 21 pretty quick, and, and there was another party out there that wasn't doing very well, and they called on the radio and said, can we bring them over there and let Marty call for them? Well, I don't know that I was doing a lot of calling. Um, I mean, I did some, but uh, it, it was it was pretty remarkable. But, you know, Terry, as, 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 as things tend to happen, you know, they – they they still work and they work really really well. But you got to be a little smarter at how you use these things now. I mean, you just can't put them out there and hope and pray that a duck's going to fall on top of them. I think you figured that out. I mean, you guys do Mojo Migration and you do Mojo TV. I mean, you do a lot of a lot of waterfowl hunting, and you have you know, I mean, testing these things in the field. You you I, I'm I'm confident you've got a lot you can say about how to use them. Uh, we 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 do, but you know, just because we've been out there so much, and we stay out there even when it's not duck season. In fact, you can learn a lot more sometimes out there amongst the ducks when it's not season than you can when mm-hmm. it is season, because that that hunter starts coming out. And you you know, all you want to do is uh, you know be successful. But uh, 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 you, you know, when when he first started, you know, ducks had never seen anything like that, and uh you, you know what they do is that when you turn that wing that's dark on one side white or white on one side you have to turn it at a certain rpm it doesn't work if you turn it slow 
it gives off a strobe, like a strobe light. Mm-hmm. And as a human, we can see that if we like far away from it. You can't see it up close like it's out in your decoy spread. You just see wings turning. But if you'll get off a quarter or half a mile or something like that from it, all of a sudden it just starts looking like a strobe light. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the uh, look that's given off by live ducks as they, as they beat their wings you know, real fast. They have white up under their wings and they have white on their breast and they alternately covering and exposing it. And when you do it at the right speed, it's just little flashes all the time. Right. They see those flashes and that's how ducks find other ducks. Other birds uh-huh. also besides ducks, but not geese, but uh, you know, there are other birds that are attracted to them too. Doves, pigeons, you know, birds like that. But sure. those little alternating flashes, that's how ducks find other ducks. And so they would see them and they would come to them, you know. And, and in the beginning, they'd land right on top of them. But, mm-hmm. you know, if ducks weren't capable of determining what danger was and, you know, how to avoid danger, then as a species, we probably wouldn't have them as long as they'd let us hunt them. You know, you'd kill them all. So sure. naturally, you know, as time went on, especially later in the season as they become pressured, I'm down here in Louisiana, you down in southeast Georgia, so you get a dose of it too, but... By the mm-hmm. time we get them here in, in Louisiana, everybody else done had a shot at them. You know, they've been caught a lot of shots and, and <laughs> everything shots. in the world. So you know, you got to you you got to sharpen your tactics a little more. So well, I'll tell so you, it, I'll tell it, you it, and it and it calls people to think that they don't work anymore, and sure. that's absolutely incorrect. Well, that's right. Well, I'll tell you what, we're up on another break. When we come back, we're gonna let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about some tips and and, and tactics and techniques and things like that 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 folks can uh, can employ uh, that that'll help them have more success uh, with the uh, with the product. So, folks, stay tuned. Terry and I'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside the minds of the players and coaches? We talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college sports. We'll review and preview this week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email. Wing and Clay Radio at gmail.com. That's Wing and Clay Radio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And welcome back. And let me remind you, too, that uh, if you're a podcast listener, uh, this show is available on podcast sites uh, like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, uh, iTunes, or whatever Apple is turning iTunes into. I'm sure it'll be on that as well. But those podcast sites are readily available. Just type in Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation, and uh, every show that we've ever done will pop right up there in front of you. And uh, before I get back with Terry, I also want to remind you uh, to take a look at my good buddies over at ESP, Electronic Shooters Protection. I think Terry probably uses this product as I do, and I'm going to tell you something. When you're around as much gunfire as we are, you really better have your hearing protected. And ESP is what I use. Uh, anything over 90 decibels, it just kind of mutes it down so that you don't get any hearing damage, but it allows you to carry on a normal conversation, and actually you can turn it up and you can hear things that you couldn't hear with uh, with the human ear. Human ear, but check them out, ESPAmerica.com. I think you'll find something there that you like, and I promise you, you'll thank me down the road because you don't want to be hearing that whistling in your ears from too many gunshots and not having your ears protected. So let me get back to my buddy Terry. Terry, when we were when we were talking um, before, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we, and you said it. You said, "Hey, look." You know, this thing works great, but, you know, ducks are like any other critters. You know, if you get shot at enough, you start figuring out, wait a minute now, I don't know that I need to go down there. My, You know, my mama got shot, my brother got shot, my dad got shot. So, um, you know, there there have to be some, some tips and techniques that, uh, that, that that you've employed over the, over time because, like you say, you guys are, are, are not only hunting over the products, you're testing them nonstop. And I know at one point you mentioned to me, that the original intent of the product really wasn't to finish ducks right over the decoys. The original intent of that product was just to attract the birds to, to get them in your area. Uh, that's correct, Marty. And, it, you know, it, its main purpose, let's say that, let's call it the phrase, main purpose is a long-range attractor because uh, uh, ducks and, and these other birds can see that strobe that we talked about a minute ago. They can see that from long, long distances. Now, ducks are said to be able to see motion about three and a half times better than they can see static objects, but that's just mm-hmm. motion. That's movement, okay? Right. That's right. water moving or you moving or whatever might be moving, but they can see that strobe for much, much farther than they can see. We call that simple motion, okay? Uh, right. They can see that much farther. <laughs> so what it does, it causes ducks to come look at your spread that absent a spinning wing decoy, they would not see your spread. They might fly three or four miles over there. They just wouldn't see you. So, you know, that's its that's its highest and best use. However, in the beginning, they just like to come up there and land right on top of it. So the problem that a lot of duck hunters have that we talk to is that when they get to where they don't want to land on top of it anymore because they now recognize it as danger, then they just quit using them. You know, they don't use them anymore. Uh-huh. And naturally, the problem... With that is they give they given up their long range attraction when they do that they're, they they given up some of the ducks that was going to come check their spread out so you know the proper use of doing that is if they don't like to land more than about say fifty yards from it seventy five yards or whatever it might be 
move the thing 50 yards or 75 yards out of your killing hole. We have actually put it on the dry ground, you know, 100 yards behind our blind because they're going to see it and they're going to come to it. Well, when they get there, they're going to see your decoys and, you know, your whole setup and, you know, they're going to hear your calls and all the other tactics that you've got to use decoys. And then you just have to use those tactics to take over because the, at that point, the spinning wing decoy had done its main use. It attracted birds to your spread. Right. And and now one of the things that, that you did, because you have, you know, you you and I have talked about this, you stu- you studied motion, you studied motion and how wildlife sees motion. And so you have, you know, you're, you're having a, a, a good understanding of, of, you know, what it takes for, for you know, just to, to attract wildlife, whatever it may be. And, you know, so the, the company has come up with some different products you know, the little flock of flickers and things like that, that, um, you know, don't run nonstop. I mean, they're, they're just, they're just little, little visual tweaks, if you will, that the birds see and, and, uh, and they're not as intimidated by that as they might be by a, a bigger wing product. That's exactly right, Marty. And, you know, we are, well, this portion of the I don't know, you and I both been in this business a long time. We record, you know, we film about yeah. everything that we do. And, uh, of course, you, you know, we would start noticing that, the, you know, the ducks would come to the spinning wing decoy, but if they had been pressured, they had been hunted a lot, maybe didn't want to land right on top of it. And we started, you know, working on these tactics that I've mentioned before, move it further off and whatever, you know. And so I, I got to thinking, I said, well, what if you had a device that would, you know, basically offer the advantages of a spinning wing decoy and eliminate the disadvantages. Now, you're not going to do any of that perfectly okay, so I'm not trying to tell anyone that. So I got to watching ducks uh, on film, you know, groups of ducks. Mm-hmm. while well, they fly flying in the air, sitting in the water, or sitting on the dry ground, feeding, roosting, whatever they were doing, and they just constantly flapping their wings. You see them, they just raise up and sure. give their wings mm-hmm. a little bit of flap, mm-hmm. you know, and it, Gives off the same strobe they do when they're backpedaling the land. And I got to noticing if the screen was dark, either because we were filming it, it was getting dark, or you could darken it up with a filter. You know, these little flashes were momentary flashes. And, and they didn't last but a second or two or three. And, and as the different ducks would do it, it would get to be little flickers all over the flock of ducks. And so mm-hmm. that's where we got the term flock of flickers. So I worked by trial and error for several years to try to come up with a device that would simulate that, that would mimic that, you know. And I tried this and I tried that and whatever, but we finally kind of worked it out that we have a little product. It's called a flock of flicker, and it's for, it floats in the water. It's for ducks in the water. We make another one. It's a double flicker. It's the same thing. It's just not capable of floating, so we, you know, you can use a dry field for it. Uh, you know, for dove, and I've also used them for pigeons, and I've also used them for ducks in a dry field, you mm-hmm. know. But what they are, they come in a pack of six, and you, it, it's not a product you can use one of. you got to have multiple of them. Right. And right. you just scatter these things through your decoys. And mm-hmm. each one of them has a different on-off timer. It'll stay on for two seconds and off for four, and the next will stay on for three and off for two and blah, blah, blah. And it makes these little flickers, you know, all through your decoy spread, which basically makes your decoy spread look more like live ducks, which is what your goal is in the end, you know. And well, uh, I, it doesn't have uh, enough yeah. big and continuous flash that the ducks recognize it as a danger. And so mm-hmm. I don't use it in place of my spinning wing decoy. I still use at least one spinning wing decoy because the little pocket flickers 
is not going to attract them, I don't think, for right. as long a distance as the big duck will do. Well, and, now, uh, but it'll sure help you finish them when you get there. Yeah, now, the other thing that you've done, <clears throat> and um, uh, you know, I mean, you've got the you've got the interrupt buttons now on you know on the on, on your big spinning wing decoys, but you come out with the with the king size products. You've changed some of the paint schemes and things of that nature. I mean, uh, you know, talk about that. I mean, did you do that just for more realism? Is is that was that the reason? No, not really. It, we did it because it's a better design. When we started, mm-hmm. and we being us and the guys in California and anybody else that first started this business, you know, we couldn't just go out and mold everything we wanted to. We just weren't that far advanced yet. We weren't capable. So we all bought a hollow decoy of some kind. In the second year, we molded our own decoy body, but we was the first one to do that. When we came out with that landing duck with the, you know, the pig, pig in the breast for mounting in the mm-hmm. pole. But nevertheless, we all had a hollow decoy body. We cut a we cut a door in the back end of it, or molded one in the back end of it. Installed a motor in it, and installed that motor. We had attached the motor to the body, you know, and then we put you know some kind of switch in it, and then we put something to hold a battery in place in there. And so, you know, that was always the wrong way to assemble one of these devices. But it was a, it was all we had available at the time. So I always had that thought. I said, you know, we ought to make them correctly like they make a car or a truck or a motorcycle or a tractor or you know a, a, a vacuum cleaner for that you know the motor doesn't need to be attached to the body the motor needs to be attached to the frame uh-huh. and then the body needs to be attached to the frame and so that's what we did we designed a we call it a structural housing but it's just a hard plastic housing it's molded exactly to hold the motor it's got a little seat in there where the motor just sets completely in the you know in the seat and then it's got a place you can pop the batteries in and out, and it's got a switch built into it and a timer and a remote and whatever else you might need in there. And then we molded a body, the duck body itself. We molded it, you know, by the rotomolding method or slush molding method, which made out of PVC. It's flexible. And we have that body that fits that housing precisely. You know, we go through a process to do that. And so we basically stretch a flexible uh, a body around this structural housing. You could take the body off and throw it away. It worked fine. You wouldn't even have to have a body. It'd be that structural housing mounted in the pole, setting up there, turning those wings. You know, because that's all mm-hmm. one unit, and the and the, the duck decoy itself is just a skin. But it makes it, you know, faster, smoother, quieter, all all those type things. Longer battery life. It's just it's just more efficient. It's just doing it correctly. Well, I I certainly you know like the fact that that uh, you know I've got a little button there that, that's on my call lanyard where I can I can make it intermittent I can make it continuous or I can make it stop if I want to and that that really really helps and you know because you know you you you, you can't walk out to it and turn it on and off all the time I mean you know you you, you know it's it's so much easier if you've got that remote control and now Terry we're up on listen we're up on. Uh, up on another break here, and we're going to take that real quick. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the new products that you've got uh, being developed, and and I also want to talk about one of my favorite products too, the Butt Up Rippler. I've got I can't I can't talk to you without talking about that. So, folks, stay tuned. Terry and I'll be right back on Winging Clay Nation after these messages. <laughs> Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Think of the world. 
50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email. WingandClayRadio at gmail.com That's WingandClayRadio at gmail.com now, let's get back to this week's show. And back you are, and I am still here with my good buddy, Terry Denman, uh, CEO or Chief Bottle Washer, name, we'll call him whatever you want to, of Mojo Outdoors. And Terry, we've, we've been talking about a lot of stuff, the little flock of flickers, I think was just a remarkable product. And, and I want to talk about some of the things that, that you guys have got going now, a couple of project products that I just absolutely love. Um, one is that butt up Rippler. Now that's a that's a cute little name for something that is absolutely deadly. And I think you, you and and um, uh, the Duck Commander guys came up with that idea. Yeah, Jace Robinson, you know the Duck Dynasty Duck Commander guy. You know he came to us and he said, I, I need a Rippler. Then would y'all build a Rippler? And so we got together with them and worked that out. And it's a Duck Commander endorsed product. But you know, of course, those guys are really really smart duck hunters, you know, they really, mm-hmm. really experienced duck hunters, you know, and he likes a little subtle type action more like a duck would do than something that's making white cap waves and things like that, you know, and so we developed that product, you know, in conjunction with them, and we make it in a full body, and we make it in a butt up, we make them, you know, both different ways, and, mm-hmm. you know, more down south where I'm at, probably over where you at too, you know, early in the morning, you know, when I say early in the morning, I'm doing the first few hours of daylight. It's, it's usually probably just slick. There's no wind. Oh, there's, there's no it. wind. <clears throat> there, there's no wind. you put wind a bunch of decoys out there on slick water, and it just don't look like live ducks. No, it looks like a flock of decoys. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what right. it looks like. But I, but I know for, for me, you know, I mean, you, you know, I put one out there, and it does the job. But I'm trying to simulate some really hungry ducks. So I put more than one out there i'll put four or five and and uh you know the 
what you get with that is just a remarkable difference because there's so much action on the water. I mean, they're just ripples everywhere. And when those ducks fly over, they're looking down and say, man, that must be a good spot. And they, they, they just lock up and come. So, you know, while one is great, you know, and, and I know, you know, everybody say, well, you're commercializing if you say buy more than one, but you know, I don't work for Mojo and I can tell you, I use more than one and it is very, very effective. Now there's the second product that I really like is your pick stick, the Mojo pick stick. You know, I'm a clay shooter. I'm a hunter. I, you know, I, I always pick up my holes when I'm done. I don't, you know, whether I'm shooting clays, whether I'm shooting uh, doves, whether I'm shooting ducks, whatever it is. And that pick stick is remarkable. And now you've got a new portable pick stick that you can tell me about. We do. It's called a pocket pick stick. And when we developed the pick stick originally, uh, you know, our focus was on a, a magnet uh, configuration that allows it to pick up a lot of different hulls. You know, you can buy for years and years and years before we came along, you could buy a, 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 a magnetic stick, you know, something with a magnet on the end of it. They use it to pick up roofing nails and uh-huh. uh, mechanics use it to pick up drop bolts, and I don't even know what all they use it for, but they won't pick up but about four or five hulls, and so... You know, our focus was on that magnet, and, and, you know, we picked up 40-something holes with that stick before we ever raked them off, uh, even though you're past the point of diminishing returns. You know, we try and see how many we can get. Uh, sure. And you notice how it walks those holes up the side of that stick mm-hmm. and, you know, makes room <clears> for <throat> the next one. And so we didn't give a whole lot of thought to, uh, you know, exactly how you ought to make the staff, so we just put that magnet in basically a, a walking stick, you know, a collapsible walking stick, and... Uh, Works great, but it wasn't that easy to carry around. And so in order to solve that problem, we made a slightly different version that's in segments, and it'll break down to about, you know, 9 or 10 inches. I don't remember exact dimensions now, but somewhere in the 9 or 10-inch range, you just fold it up and put it in your hunting jacket pocket or in your mm-hmm. wine bag. Yeah, I'm telling you, those, those things are absolutely magical. Now, <clears throat> one thing I did I did want to mention, uh, you know, real quick, uh, you you've actually started testing products on coyotes and bears and lions and all sorts of things. I mean, real quick, uh, tell me how that's going. Well, I've been calling predators my, my whole life, you know, and I just always something I did. It didn't originally fit in with Mojo until, you know, after we've been in business a few years, we happened to, by trial and error, develop what turned out to be the most popular, most successful uh, predator decoy there was. And mm-hmm. so that got me to, uh, an excuse, if you will, to you know go on my company time, go around and start hunting. And then we eventually developed an electronic collar that incorporated the decoy into it. And, um, you know, I just get a kick out of going around. I've gone to Africa, Australia, South America, you know, Alaska. I've called all three of the bears, the black, the brown, and the grizzly bear. Uh, I've called a wolf, I called a leopard, I called a lion, but I didn't call a big male, I never called a big male lion, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. that's just kind of a something I like to do, and as I like to do it, I work more and more on these products. Well, one of the, one of the things that I can tell you is, you know, uh, guys that are bird hunters, you know, we, we absolutely detest coyotes. So, you know, a whole bunch of us are coyote hunters, too, and, and um, <clears throat> you know, I, I know that product that, that you've got is just remarkable. Yeah, we have a new collar that'll be out this fall. It's being mm-hmm. we're making it right now, but it'll be on the shelf this fall. And it's kind of similar to uh, you know, what we had before, except it's just an improved version. And uh, you know, we make what we call a calling system. It's where we incorporated this 
decoy I was telling you about is originally the critter decoy. That's where we uh, incorporated it into the collar, into one unit. People used to use a collar and a separate decoy, and we, we, mm-hmm. we first came out with that some years ago. And it has a built-in tripod, so you can just pull the legs down, and uh, it's important to get your speaker and your decoy top up out of the you know the vegetation and whatever. So sure. Uh, now, uh, have, you, have you got any, anything coming? Anything coming on um, you know waterfowl upland? Anything like that? Well, we've been, we've expanded our uh, elite series line of these uh, duck decoys. We now have we're going to have two divers, and those going to be a redhead and a bluebill. Uh-huh. We have we have uh, gone back and and revamped our floater decoy that we've had for years, but into the new elite series. You know, much more user friendly, and it'll also it'll be a mallard and those same two divers. But we got we got a product this year that'll be on the shelf this fall. That's a brand new concept in goose hunting, and we got a uh-huh. lot of requests for goose hunting, and we kind of took sure. the flock of flicker concept. Not the flashes, because goose are not attracted to flashes, and often, you know, they repel from them. And we made little miniature flags, like the goose flag that you use. Right. And they're in a little housing and a motor, and you just scatter them through your decoys, and we've done enough field work to prove that if you add that motion in your decoy spread, not necessarily attached to the decoy itself, it gives the whole decoy spread the illusion of live decoy or live birds uh, to the birds themselves. Well, that's going to be really cool. I can tell you that because, you know, the the goose hunting is getting more and more and more popular because there are a lot of geese. I mean, uh, you know, and, and guys are, you know, you get into the snow geese and all of that stuff. You, heck, you can hunt them all the way up into into the spring and, and uh, you know, it's just very, very successful. So, uh, Terry, well, tell me a little bit. If, if somebody wants to, obviously your products are in retail stores all over the place, but if somebody wanted to just to go to go to your website. Why don't you give me that information? It's MojoOutdoors.com. Just go to MojoOutdoors.com. It'll be quite a few different categories there, but one of them will be called products. If you click on that, you can see every product we've got. There's another mm-hmm. link on there that might be of interest to them. It's called uh, parts. We want a few companies in the country. We'll sell you the part for everything we make that a customer could replace. They just go in there, buy a part. They lose a wing. They need a battery. They lose, need a foot. They need a decoy. It don't matter what. We'll sell you a part to fix it. Well, here's here's the thing I know. Uh, hunters have a tendency to not be as careful with things as they want to. So from time to time, you have to replace a part, and it doesn't have anything to do with the company. It's got a whole bunch to do with the hunter not paying attention. But uh, it, the fact that you can get those parts is, is really, really good. But, you know, Terry, we're, we're about up on time here, and I, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. I've really enjoyed this show. It's always great to to speak with you. I've always, always enjoyed it. And, and uh, what you've done at, at – at Mojo is is just remarkable, and uh, I tip my hat to you, my friend. It's uh, it's a remarkable company. And I enjoyed visiting with you. I always enjoyed visiting with you, Marty. Well, <clears throat> I'm I'm confident we're going to be able to do some more. Hope, hopefully, we're going to be able to get together and uh, and chase something. I can't tell you what it might be, but uh, uh, you know, you you've actually invited me two or three times, and I've always got some reason that I can't make it. But uh, I know that we're up on. Uh, up on the show end here so folks thank you so much for joining us today uh that's about it for wing clay nation of this week remember be safe good hunting and shoot straight we'll see you next week on winging clay nation and check us out wingingclayradio.com we'll see you next time (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. Please join Marty again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week's show, think safety first and good shooting.